This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today I have a letter from Archbishop Vigano on the Virgin Mary as co-redemptrix. This letter is a barn burner. He's gone full traditionalist in this from the sound of it, and his anger is palpable. It's on full display. I'll let Vigano speak for himself. Needless to say, you really need to hear this. Enjoy. Mary Immaculate, Virgin Mother. Aces ordinata ora pro nobis. Is there in the heart of the Virgin Mary anything other than the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? We too want to have only one name in our hearts, that of Jesus, like the most blessed Virgin. The tragic story of this failed pontificate advances with a pressing succession of twists and turns. Not a day passes. From the most exalted throne, the Supreme Pontiff proceeds to dismantle the See of Peter, using and abusing its supreme authority, not to confess but to deny, not to confirm but to mislead, not to unite but to divide, not to build but to demolish. Material heresies, formal heresies, idolatry, superficiality of every kind. The Supreme Pontiff Bergoglio never ceases stubbornly to humiliate the highest authority of the Church, demythologizing the papacy, as perhaps his illustrious comrade Karl Rahner would say. His actions seek to violate the sacred deposit of faith, and to disfigure the Catholic face of the Bride of Christ by word and action, through duplicity and lies, through those theatrical gestures of his that flaunt spontaneity, but are meticulously conceived and planned, and through which he exalts himself in a continuous narcissistic self-celebration, while the figure of the Roman pontiff is humiliated, and the sweet Christ on earth is obscured. His action makes use of magisterial improvisation, of that off-the-cuff and fluid magisterium that is as insidious as quicksand, not only as flying at high altitude at the mercy of journalists from all over the world, in those ethereal spaces that can highlight a pathological delirium of illusory omnipotence, but also at the most solemn religious ceremony that ought to incite holy trembling and reverent respect. On the occasion of the liturgical memorial of the Virgin of Guadalupe, Pope Bergoglio once again gave vent to his evident Marian intolerance, recalling that of the serpent in the account of the fall, and that proto-gospel which prophesizes the radical enmity placed by God between the woman and the serpent, and the declared hostility of the latter, who until the consummation of time will seek to undermine the woman's heel and to triumph over her and her posterity. The pontiff's intolerance is a manifest aggression against the prerogatives and sublime attributes that make the Immaculate Ever-Virgin Mother of God the feminine complement to the mystery of the Immaculate Word, intimately associated with him in the economy of redemption. After having downgraded her to the next-door neighbor or a runaway migrant or a simple laywoman with the defects and crises of any woman marked by sin, or a disciple who obviously has nothing to teach us, after having trivialized and desacralized her, like those feminists who are gaining ground in Germany with their Mary 2.0 movement, which seeks to modernize Our Lady and make her a simulacrum in their image and likeness, Pope Bergoglio has further impugned the August Queen and Immaculate Mother of God, who became mestiza with humanity and made God mestizo. 
with a couple of jokes, he struck at the heart of the Marian dogma and the Christological dogma connected to it. The Marian dogmas are the seal placed on the Catholic truths of our faith, defined at the councils of Nicaea, Ephesus, and Chalcedon. They are the unbreakable bulwark against Christological heresies and against the furious unleashing of the gates of hell. Those who mestizo and profane them show that they are on the side of the enemy. To attack Mary is to venture against Christ himself. To attack the mother is to rise up against her son and to rebel against the very mystery of the Most Holy Trinity. The Immaculate Theotokos, terrible as an army with banners, Achis Ordinata, will do battle to save the church and destroy the enemy's unfettered army that has declared war on her, and with him all the demonic pacamamas that will definitively burn in hell. Pope Bergoglio is no longer seems to contain his impatience with the Immaculate, nor can he conceal it under that seeming and ostentatious devotion which is always in the spotlight on cameras, while deserts the solemn celebration of the Assumption and recitation of the Rosary with the faithful, who filled the courtyards of St. Damascene and the upper loggia of St. Peter's Basilica under St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI. Pope Bergoglio uses the Pacamama to rout the Guadalupana. The enthronement of that Amazonian idol, even at the altar of the confession in St. Peter's Basilica, was nothing, nothing less than a declaration of war on the lady and patroness of all the Americas, who with her apparition to Juan Diego destroyed the demonic idols and won the indigenous peoples for Christ in the adoration of the most true and whole, only God through her maternal me mediation. And this is not a legend. A few weeks after the conclusion of the synodal event, which marked the investiture of Pacamama in the heart of Catholicity, we learn that the conciliar disaster of the Novus Ordo Missae is undergoing further modernization, including the introduction of, of dew in the Eucharistic canon instead of the mention of the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Most Holy Trinity. This is a further step in the direction of regression towards the naturalization and immunitization of Catholic worship towards pantheistic and idolatrous Novi Novissimus Ordo, the due, an entity present at the theological place of the Amazonian tropics, as we learn from the Synodal Fathers, becomes the new imminent principle of fertilization of the earth, which transubstantiates it into a pantheistically connected whole to which men are assimilated and subjected, to the glory of Pacamama. And here we are plunged back into the darkness of a new globalist and eco-tribal paganism with its demons and perversions, from this latest liturgical upheaval, divine revelation decays from fullness to archaism. From the hypostatic identity of the Holy Spirit, we slide towards the symbolic and metaphorical evanescence proper to do, which Masonic Gnosis has long made its own. But let us return for a moment to the idolatrous statues of rare ugliness, and to Pope Bergoglio's declaration the day after their removal from the church in Transpontina, and their drowning in the Tiber. Once again, the Pope's words have the scent of a colossal lie. He made us believe that the statuettes were promptly exhumed from the filthy waters thanks to the intervention of the Carabinari, the Italian police. One wonders why a crew from Vatican News coordinated by Tornielli and Spadaro of Civilta Cattolica with reporters and cameramen from the court press did not come to film the prowess of the divers and capture the rescue of the Pacamamas. It is also unlikely that such a spectacular feat did not capture the attention of a few passerby equipped the mobile phone to film, and then launched the scoop on social media. We are tempted to pose the question to the person who made that statement. Certainly, this time, too, he would answer us with his eloquent silence. For more than six years now, we have been poisoned by a false magisterium, a sort of extreme synthesis of all the conciliar misconceptions and post-conciliar errors that have been relentlessly propagated without most of us noticing. 
Yes, because the Second Vatican Council opened not only Pandora's box, but also Overton's window, and so gradually that we did not realize the upheavals that had been carried out, the real nature of the reforms and their dramatic consequences, nor did we suspect who was really at the helm of that gigantic subversive operation, which the modernist Cardinal Swinons called the 1789 of the Catholic Church. Thus, over these last decades, the mystical body has been slowly drained of its lifeblood through unstoppable bleeding. The sacred deposit of faith has gradually been squandered, dogmas denatured, worship secularized and gradually profaned, morality sabotaged, the priesthood vilified, the Eucharistic sacrifice Protestantized, and transformed into a convivial banquet. Now the church is lifeless, covered with metastases and devastated. The people of God are groping, illiterate, and robbed of their faith in the darkness of chaos and division. In these last decades, the enemies of God have progressively made scorched earth of 2,000 years of tradition. With unprecedented acceleration, thanks to the subversive drive of this pontificate, supported by the powerful Jesuit apparatus, a deadly coup de grace is being delivered to the church. With Pope Bergoglio, as with all modernists, it is impossible to see clarity, since the distinctive mark of the modernist heresy is dissimulation. Masters of error and experts in the art of deception, they strive to make what is ambiguous universally accepted, presenting it from its harmless side which will serve as a passport to introduce the toxic side that was initially kept hidden. And so the lie, obstinately and obsessively repeated, ends up becoming true and accepted by the majority. Also, typically, modernist is the tactic of affirming what you want to destroy, using vague and imprecise terms, and promoting error without ever formulating it clearly. This is exactly what Pope Bergoglio does with his dissolving amorphism of the mysteries of faith, with his doctrinal approximation through which he mestizos and demolishes the most sacred dogmas, as he did with Marian dogmas, the ever-virgin mother of God. The result of this abuse is what we now have before our eyes, a Catholic church that is no longer Catholic, a container emptied of its authentic content and filled with borrowed goods. The advent of the Antichrist is inevitable. It is part of the epilogue of the history of salvation, but we know that it is the prerequisite for the universal triumph of Christ and his glorious bride. Those, who have, those of us who have not let ourselves be deceived by these enemies of the church and fioft in the ecclesial body must unite and together face off against the evil one, who is long defeated yet still able to harm and cause the eternal perdition of multitudes of souls, but whose head the Blessed Virgin, our leader, will definitively crush. Now it is our turn. Without equivocation, without letting ourselves be driven out of this church, whose legitimate children we are, and in which we have the sacred right to feel at home, without the hateful horde of Christ's enemies making us feel marginalized, schismatic, and excommunicated. Now it is our turn. The triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, co-redemptrix and mediatrix of all graces, passing through her little ones, who are certainly frail and sinners, but are absolutely opposed to the members enlisted in the enemy's army. Little ones consecrated without any limit whatsoever to the Immaculate, in order to be her heel, the most humiliated and despised part, the most hated by hell, but which together, with her will, crush the head of the infernal monster. St. Louis Marie Grignion de Montfort asked, But when will this triumph take place? God knows. Our task is to be vigilant and pray, as St. Catherine of Siena ardently recommended, that I die and cannot die, sleep no longer in negligence, use what you can in the present time, comfort yourselves in Christ Jesus' sweet love, drown yourselves in the blood of Christ crucified, place yourselves on the cross with Christ crucified, hide yourselves in the wounds of Christ crucified, bathe yourselves in the blood of Christ crucified. 
see St. Catherine of Siena's letter, number 16. The church is shrouded in the darkness of modernism, but the victory belongs to our Lord and his bride. We desire to continue to profess the, per the perennial faith of the church in the face of the roaring evil that besieges her. We desire to keep vigil with her and with Jesus in this new Gethsemane of the end times, to pray and do penance and their reparation for the many offenses caused to them. Signed, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, titular Archbishop of Opania, Apostolic Nuncio. <laughs>